This week, I sat down with singer and performer Lucy Peach, who unlocks the mysteries and myths to reveal the power of the female menstrual cycle. In this very open, insightful and very amusing and funny conversation, Lucy expands on her TEDx talk about the four stages of the monthly female cycle and how, by recognising them, they can each be individually harnessed for greatness. Lucy goes deep on how periods are characterised and portrayed by modern media in a very male-orientated environment and how fusing her knowledge together with her great storytelling and high-energy performing background is changing that and providing us with something we can really engage with. She also provides some greater insight for men to consider not just their own cycles, but understanding deeper the cycles of female partners and how this can strengthen relationships. This is a hugely insightful and entertaining conversations. I had so much fun recording it with Lucy. And it provokes the listener to also consider the cyclical nature of all our human existence more broadly from just like the normalized status quo that we often work to. There's also a very amusing finish to this podcast, which I'll let you enjoy yourself. So sit back and enjoy Lucy Peach. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. The creative process, singing and performing and unlocking some of the mysteries of womanhood are some of the topics we're going to dive into today with my guest, Lucy Peach. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bryn. So, um, question I always start off asking all of my guests, because it's all WA Real, is, so you were born and raised here in Western Australia. Can you tell me a bit about um, what it was like growing up here in Western Australia? And some of your, you know, impressionable fondest memories? Mm. So I was born in Perth, um... And my mum, uh, I lived here with my mum and my dad lived mostly in New Zealand. So um, I sort of went back and forth through high school. Uh, Fondest memories of WA. Well, I moved around a lot, but the longest place I lived in was in a little house in Gosnells and it was uh, on a street with a cul-de-sac and I mean you know before the internet it was just quieter wasn't it and there was more you know we had frogs and little turtles and um we made decisions and stuck to them yeah and just I just remember sitting in trees a lot and you know watching clouds and just fairly inane meditative things and you know um yeah, being in nature, and then I suppose as I got older, um, yeah, just going to the beach, really. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, what does it mean to you to be a West Australian? Um, to be a West Australian, I think it means that you... Well, I guess the cliché is that we spend more time alone incubating and I've heard from a lot of people that when creatives and artists from Western Australia make things they're usually a lot further on in the process when they share that right. with you know maybe people from America or wherever who, who start to share right at this yeah they get an idea and then it's happening and telling everybody yeah. about it but we sort of we're a little bit more you know kind of bunkered down and doing things and then okay 
and you know siloed a little bit but I guess that's what contributes to different um, pockets of people making things in yeah. isolation so then you get this real diversity yeah. and um, do you see that as a strength oh for sure and you know as a musician in Perth um, I just think it's such a beautiful community there's so many different pockets of people doing different things but overlapping and sort of cross-pollinating and collaborating with each other and um, I think it always feels like there's enough to go around in Perth for me and um, I'm sure every city is different but it just feels like everyone's sort of got their place you know and there's enough to go around Mm. it's quite a generous creative community Mm. Yeah, I, I often feel I moved here eight years ago. Um, that with its remoteness, you, you can kind of see things coming and going, and and um, yeah, there's pockets of all sorts of stuff going off. So that isolation makes us certainly now with the internet look further afield, but mm. then bring that back into mm. this small little remote area. Mm, mm. Well, yeah, incubate it. I kind of like that. Also, nature. I mean, you know, we get such beautiful weather and we've got this amazing coastline and you know you just you know if you live somewhere like I don't know I lived in Manchester when I was 21 and that's my master's degree in Manchester oh god it was like rainy very grey very rainy the sky was grey the clouds were grey the street was grey the buildings were grey the people were a bit grey and um, yeah after you know living there for a while and Working in cafes and bar. I mean, I just, I think I definitely turned grey and, you know, it's just, yes. it's a hard place to be and not have very much money, you know, whereas here at least you can just go outside and, yeah, you know, appreciate. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Yeah. Superb. Mm. So you are a folk singer, mm. um, inspired by Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, your menstrual cycle. And convict ancestry. Yeah, that's my current top four. That's your current top four. I get called a folk singer because, well, I mean, I suppose I started out sort of with a baritone ukulele and just singing by myself. So, you know, you're going to fit into the folk category. Right. By virtue of. Everybody wants a box. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There's no, you know, post punk period country uh yeah so but i like telling stories i think that's what i yes identify with the folk nomica and um nomica is that the right word is nominka not a word did i just make that up possibly but it's not going to stick if if it is a word i think it might be spelled N O M E N K E R, but let's just park that and come back to another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Bob Dylan, you know, telling stories—that's sort of that's, yes, that's where I really stories. cut my teeth. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you've you've been in bands, duos, by yourself, mm. stages with loads of different people. Mm. Was it the West called you the jewel in WA's musical crown? Mm. That's nice. <laughs> so, where does this um, creative performing storytelling? aspect to you come from in your story 
Um, well, I guess it's a bit of nature and a bit of nurture and probably some healthy neglect. I think um, my grandfather passed away recently and he was he was in the war and he was given some land in New Guinea and he wrote poetry. He wrote like Australian yarns and um, he was pretty out there and I've been reading a lot of his poetry, mm. which is sort of really entertaining, a little bit wrong. Um, a bit wrong. Just a bit wrong and just really, you know, kind of considering where all of those threads come from that end up in you that come from, you know, your parents and your different grandparents and... And so he was my mother's father and my mother's mother was a ballerina and she was, you know, very theatrical and very comical and, um, you know, ballet was her, her, her love, her whole life. And, um, yeah, and I, I suppose, you know, there's definitely something of that in me. I'm probably just a bit of a show off and I like telling stories and, I just like sharing. I think for me, you know, when I was a kid and I was in school, I just, I loved telling news. I loved telling the thing that I was excited about to everybody else. And I guess I've just always done that. Hmm. So it comes straight from being a kid and just being wired like this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I didn't really have a particularly musical childhood or hmm. anything like that. I came to it quite late. But um, yeah, I've just, I mean... I think it's one of those things as you get older, you just realize there are so many different things that you can try and you can do and you can put your hand to and, you know, you might not enjoy it and that doesn't matter and you might love it and it might completely open up a whole other world and I just think it's really fascinating to think about all of the all of the ways you can keep evolving and trying things and, you know, live long, hopefully. So... Was being a, a singer and a performer something you all you just knew you were going to do? No. Or you just did it? I just did it. Yeah. How did that start? You know, uh, you sort of left school and Yeah, I mean I You make the transition from the school play and concert into actually No, I didn't even really do it at school. Really? I sort of no, I moved around I went to five different high schools and so I was always kind of, you know, just moving. Um, and I didn't really get into anything like that at school. Um, and I, I kind of tried to do singing when I was about 19 because I thought maybe I could. And it's just that classic thing where you wait for permission and you think that someone who's older and better than you needs to give you a license yes. to do something. And then ultimately something happens and you realise... I can do whatever I want, really. And I think realising that... Um, Quite liberating. That oh, absolutely. And it, it happened to me once I had a child and that's what really kind of made me realise that if I can make a baby and grow it inside of me and bring it into the world, then pretty sure I can sing a song. And actually, if I'm shit, I don't care. And that's the real liberating thing is yes. that, you know, it just it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, you know. And and if you do anything for long enough, then you're probably going to get better at it. And yeah, even if you start off shit. Even if you start off shit, you know. So I had no idea what I was doing. I just 
Yeah, just sort of. So, so how did started. it start? Oh, I just answered an ad in <laughs> on a website called PerthBands.com. I don't think that exists anymore. Um, and they were looking for a lead singer, and I auditioned, and I just joined a band, and I wrote songs, and I couldn't play an instrument back then, but I would write songs, and then they would sort of craft the songs around it. And I'd say a little bit more like this or a little bit less like that. And um, and then ultimately that sort of dissipated and then I started learning an instrument and doing my own thing and building a band around me and playing with whoever I could. And, yeah, it's, I'm just still going. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, are the, the songs and the music, is there a focus on you expressing yourself or are you also trying to make a like a bit of an impact with the people who listen to it uh, or a bit of both I guess it's a bit of both I mean I think the classic thing that songwriters do when they begin is you write about your experience and generally a lot of people are driven to write songs because something has happened and they're feeling so terrible about it that they need to terrible. get it out yeah. and that's you know where it sort of started I guess I was you know going through a difficult relationship um breakdown really and that was how I you know treated myself really and um yeah and then after a couple of years of that you realize that you can actually write about whatever you want and I mean Paul Kelly's a great example of that you know he's just written so many stories about so many things and created so many characters and you know, made a space to explore different feelings and emotions and scenarios and, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, I guess, more what I do now. And, um, I mean, the last lot of songs that I've written have been largely driven by, um, yeah, what it means to have a woman's body and how that impacts how you feel throughout the month. Yeah. And um, I'm going to come so to this. Yeah. <laughs> this unraveled so much for me when I watched it, but we'll come to that in a bit. Um, I'm particularly interested in, um, I know it sounds dumb, but just how do you go about writing songs and music and, and the, that creative process? Because this is something, you know, I, I love music. I go to love to watch bands. I like to listen to music, but just being out where it comes from, how it's created is just beyond me. Well, it's like anything. I mean, it's like, you know, if you try to ride a bike for the first time and you'd never ridden it, then you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't know what to do. But if someone said, well, okay, so, you know, you start with this and you start yeah. with that. And I mean, that's why Bob Dylan songs are really formative for me because you could just sort of see the structure and the phrasing and, you know, how you put a verse together and what a chorus needs to do and um you know you just copy really until yeah. you find your own well yeah there's that thing i guess flavor that thing of find someone who's successful who you resonate with and then just model what they do yeah i mean to a degree to a degree yeah because i mean and you know it's like any sort of um art form i suppose it can come from anywhere and sometimes, you know, I mean, I do this thing at the moment where I'm part of a, an online songwriting group where we have to write a song every week. We get given one hour. We get a topic. And, you know, some of the songs are really great. Some of them are 
hideous doesn't really matter because it's more about just keeping those just muscles it, do, yeah just do it do it do it that's right just being live about it and um yeah so and uh, and you know sometimes some songs come out straight away and they're really easy to sort of fish out of yourself and then other ones take weeks to kind of keep whittling away at and mm. playing with and i think for me, you've just got to keep working on it until it makes you excited. And if you feel a bit bored while you're singing a certain part, then it means you're not there it's yet. Not there, yeah. And you need to figure out, you know, why you're doing it, you know, and, and what you're trying, what you want people to feel. And, um, yeah, I mean, I often imagine people singing along to a certain part and imagining how that would make someone feel and, you know, playing with the words and what you want to sort of leave people with. Hmm. Yeah. So have you, um, do you have sort of a process that you yourself go through nowadays or? Oh, it's different every time. Every yeah. single time is different. And it's interesting because I had, a, had an author on the podcast last year. She, she's whacked out a dozen books. So do you have a process? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you just, you're just glad when it starts to come and then you just scramble around until you can, get it out properly yeah. you know and sometimes just keep putting energy in and energy yeah in and energy in. yeah yeah you just got to keep showing up and sometimes you know you just there's nothing you're just scrabbling around at the bottom of an shits? empty well <laughs> yeah and like i mean i've just found out that my iron is like really low because i've realized i've been quite tired and i've been sort of yawning and leaning mm. against poles and things and just kind of yeah <laughs> um so i'm really excited i'm getting you know an infusion all right after this podcast actually Excellent. so i'm really excited to see how that impacts my writing i'm hoping that you know i'll i'll just be on fire on fire, fire yeah by iron That's see, i'm right. diametrically opposite to you i i have to have blood removed oh because you have too much too much yeah wow so yeah, maybe I'll save you some blood. Yes. So there you go. So um, when it comes to the actual performing of your work, um, what's that like? Get excited, nervous, all the mixture of the above. Opportunity to show off, so thrive. Or what? What? What does it look like? Feel like for you? Well, I think the really cool thing about doing shows is that generally, uh, it's almost always different. And so, you know, it's like you're rocking up for work and you don't quite know where to park or who you got to speak to or maybe exactly who's going to be there. So there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And um and I think that's 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 exciting, you know, because you just you sort of just you just don't know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. And and Cue then instrument what's happening, let's go. That's right. And so I like that. I like just a bit of mystery and um one thing that i've learned and that i still keep learning is that you know if you if you sort of rock up to a gig and you've got a little something just a i don't know just something left over from the day or some residual feeling or something's happened on the way or you walk in and you just kind of get a vibe if you don't find a way to sort of um acknowledge that it becomes like a little 
stone in your shoe that just gets more and more uncomfortable and you can't quite get over it and it takes up more and more space in your brain and then you all you can think of is that thing so sometimes you you just have to sort of like pop that how do like you do a, that um i just try and talk about it really quickly or you know just figure out a way of um such and such is giving me the shit so yeah just like so. just really just really connecting with with the people there because i think often you know they i mean you know i i, I don't know what sort of day that they've had and they don't know what sort of day that i've had and it just you know you just kind of want to check in and just kind of connect somehow um before you then share all of those things that you want to really you know you've got to kind yeah. of just make the bed a bit you know before yeah, you get in yeah so that's something that i think is just a really good thing to always do it always makes me feel um just a bit more like i'm there um and then you know ultimately it's just it's a it's a real honor to have that time and space to be able to do the thing that I love the most and give that hmm. to other people who want it. Um, so the it's whole just a real treasure. For a while. Mm. That's quite a commodity mm. nowadays. Absolutely. Yep. Yep, for sure. It's a real treasure. Hmm. What's been your most favourite performance? Oh, so many. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there's so so many. I mean, lately, um, you know, I've been working in a theatre sort of space and that's been a really interesting shift because when you do a gig, primarily it's at night time and it's late and people have had a few drinks and they're a bit more rowdy and you have to win them over and i like that i Mm. I like that feeling of having to sort of fight a little bit work for it that's right but when you are in a theater space and you know people are just there ready to kind of experience whatever you give them um and that's been really interesting because um it feels even more precious in a way because Everyone's quiet and they really they really want to have an in-depth experience and so that really raises the bar in a way because you can't just sort of get up there and hang your head and look at your shoes and sing a few songs it's like you got to bring it you know and yeah so that's 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 been really fun how do you manage to bring it every time you turn up on the stage this is another thing that has always fascinated me you know, you watch some people, they do loads and loads of shows. And they're yeah. showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't do this podcasting every single day. <laughs> well, you could if you, you had to, could, yeah. you know, and you'd do things differently. You'd make sure that you, I don't know, you had a nap or you meditated mm. or you had a green smoothie or, mm. do you know what I mean? You'd Whatever talk to certain people and you wouldn't talk to other people. Yeah, and yeah you'd very just, true. You work out what you need to sort of, to do that and I, I think a lot of being a performer is really about resting efficiently and yeah just, energy management yeah energy management because it is such a download um that you kind of you need to pull out from somewhere so you just you just got to make sure you've got a, a reasonably full tank somehow hmm. um yeah 
And then I guess, you know, again, being honest about where you are and if you've had this terrible shit thing happen to you, then then you can, you know, sort of weave that in, in a way, you know, yeah. by just sort of sharing a little bit of that with people so that you feel like you're just not kind of being a puppet on a string and pumping out the same yeah, performance. Yeah, because that's not fun. That's not, you know, you don't want to give people that. Yeah. Any um, using stories from where it's gone wrong? Where it's gone wrong. Yeah, happy to share. Um, well, for instance, you know, I did a couple of shows in Sydney last weekend, and um, and they were for my greatest period ever, which is my theatre show, which is basically a show that um, is half music. So half of it is me singing acoustically um, these songs that I was telling you about that um, are based on how to get the most out of your menstrual cycle. The other half of the show is me telling stories about how to get the most most out of your menstrual menstrual cycle. And my husband is in the corner on an iPad and he animates the show while I'm talking and singing. Um, And that's just what we do. And at the beginning of the show, we have a big graph that um, is a sort of visual um, symbol, I suppose, of what it's like to have a, a menstrual cycle and how your hormones change throughout the month and how that impacts the way that you feel. Mm. And so at the beginning of the show, I give a sort of little crash course in what that means and what the phases are and how it makes you feel. And then Richard will say to me, and Lucy, where are you today? And I'll say, well, I'm day 11 and I'm ready to just absolutely smash this out of the park and I'm so glad you're here and da-da-da-da-da. Or I'll say, you know, actually I'm day 26 and I'm so pre-menstrual really AF and I'm going to be bringing all of my witchiest powers to you. Yeah, I completely use that as my, my check-in point to be able to say, yeah. this is where I am. Yeah, you know? and it's like the ultimate share, isn't it? It's the ultimate share. And so, um, yeah, I recently, I had a miscarriage and um, it was um, it was quite early, so it was six weeks. Um, and you know, it's really common. It's a really common thing that one in four pregnancies will result in this. And, but I guess it's something that's still not super talked about. And, um, while I was pregnant, um, I thought to myself, you know, I'll, I'll never know what that's like because I've had one pregnancy. I have a 12 year old son and, um, and I'm pregnant now and that'll be that. I'm not, That'll, I'll never know what it's like to have a miscarriage. I'll never understand yeah. this, you know, common experience. And so when I had it, I really, I just, yeah, yeah it was it was something that obviously you don't expect to happen. And and all of these things happen, you know, like the doctor will just sort of say to you, well, you, you know, you'll have a heavy period and go home and have a hot water bottle and whatever. And I mean, I had this period that basically went until I had another one. So effectively, I was I bled for thirty five days, which was just, you know. And you wonder why your iron levels. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So I was, you know, and and we did the first show, and it was great, and um, it was sold out, and it was, you know, everyone loved it, and it was, it felt really good. But I felt tired, and 
I suppose getting back to what I was saying before is that, you know, when something big is happening to you and you're trying to share this, you know, all-encompassing experience without acknowledging that big thing, yeah. it's it's feels... And I, I just, I wasn't sure about talking about it because, you know, people were coming along to the show to hear about period power and, yeah. you know, the being optimized and amazing and I didn't want to sort of bring it down by talking about my miscarriage. But, you know, I was talking to Richard the next day in the Sydney Botanical Gardens and I mean Sydney is not a very relaxing place it's like everyone has like a lot of coffee and perfect hair and everyone's just jogging everywhere and even when you go into the Botanical Gardens to sort of try and relax there's like jackhammers going and cranes swinging around and I just people jogging past you having like walking meetings and you know, just a lot of, just, oh, so relax everyone. But <laughs> so I was just sitting there, I was reflecting on the show the night before and I thought how I felt a bit disingenuous that I was sort of right. prancing around preaching period power when actually I was exhausted and I'd had this 35 day period and I was still bleeding at that point. And I just said, you know, I think I want to figure out a way of um, just sharing a little bit about it yeah. tonight so you know and Richard was sort of like okay well if you're sure and <laughs> yeah. you know don't sort of you know whatever because you sort of think well what would a good teacher do you know they wouldn't get up there and talk about their deepest darkest demons unless they thought it was going to really help yeah unless it was going to something from it yeah that's yeah. right so so yeah I I did that that night and um and I wasn't really sure what I was saying until the words were coming out of my mouth, but, you know... You were listening to yourself. I was listening to myself, and I think, you know, you know that that, that sort of... Um, that way of considering all of the different types of learners? So, you know, you have people that are kinesthetic and they need yep. to kind of get in amongst it and move, and you have people that need to, um, you know, listen and people that need to visualise it and people that need to... Just you make know, sense of it. make sense of it, and I think I'm definitely someone who needs to talk about it yeah. to understand it. And so, yeah, often you're not, you don't even know what you feel until you hear yourself say it out loud. So that's a really powerful sort of way to kind of, um, yeah, talk about how you feel and what's going on. And and it was a really beautiful experience. And I didn't sort of bang on about it, you know, um, for too long. But I just said, you know, this graph is amazing, and Right now, I have no fucking idea where I am, and I'm currently <laughs> on the longest period in my life. Off the charts. I am off the charts, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm to come back to the charts. Hoping to come back, um, and then it was really funny. I actually got my period properly the next day, right? Which often happens, you know, without sort of getting all hoo-hoo and yeah. weird about it. It's like I think your body kind of holds on. Yeah, and then you let go, and then once. You, you you unlock whatever you need to do and you sort of, you know, do everything you need to do, your body says, okay, good. We, yeah. can, we can let go now. We can relax. And that's fascinating because my very last podcast was with a lady who's a kinesiologist. Oh, okay. And we were talking about the connection between the stuff you're holding on to, the stresses, mm. limiting mm. beliefs, and how they lock themselves into your body. And mm. by working the body, you can release one, da, 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 da. So, totally get it. Mm, mm. Yeah, so mm. um, I think you asked, was there a time where it went wrong? And I, I mean, I mean that was a difficult thing to sort yeah. of um, 
manage, but it was good. Mm. So, yeah. So you've already sort of mentioned your talk about the, the power of the menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um, in preparing to meet you or, or, or yeah. when I first yeah, found t- out Tell me about it. your experience with periods. Um, I'm, I'm sick of talking about periods. What, what do you know? What's, what's, what do I know? Or what, what did you... What, Very did, little. Okay. Other than girls, you know, um, I was given a book by yeah. my mum and dad. It's the most impenetrable book with these ghastly pictures in it. And I was like, I just didn't want to read anything. And then on top of that, I had the fear of my dad saying to me frequently... Right, you're going to have a test on this book, so you better bloody read it. So then it was like a school homework right. thing. And it was just like, I don't think I really read it in the end. And I can't remember how I got out of it all. I think I fessed up to my mum that I just didn't like this book. It wasn't. I think I, I think I'm, I think I actually bullshitted her and told her that I, I knew most of it already. Mm, mm. And so we made it go away. And I didn't really get it. Um... No, yeah, until having girlfriends. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, you, you go from sort of understanding it mm. to then part, oh, no, oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, but it's it's always been a mystery to me as a male. Mm. So, other than you spot certain things, um um such as um a long 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 time ago i had a girlfriend and there was this like couple of days where she couldn't eat hot enough food like it's ridiculously is in chili or temperature chili, chili. oh wow yeah so that's and, her craving um, yeah 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 and, when she was premenstrual i can't Not remember sure. exactly yeah. she just told me oh it's coming on and um and and yeah look we won many bets with this with other people not with me so i've bought them out um so yeah um but you won many bets yeah i i i would um, bet other dudes that they couldn't eat as many chilies oh i see i thought you were talking about winning bets on on predicting who was premenstrual but that's no 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 sorry i should have been a bit clearer about that okay so So, chili that was your experience of her that was an experience of her um yeah so look it's all been a bit sort of cloudy and like as a male in 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 long-term relationships you you know you mentally log Um, it's never might happen in between but then when I watched your TED talk it's fucking gold it was just like oh my god there's actually sections there's a map in here and it's fascinating because the day I watched it only that morning um, uh, a lovely lady who who, uh, comes to the movement classes that I go to we got into a conversation she was explaining to me how women are like oceans and they flow and they come and back and men are like rocks Right, and I was thinking, yeah, that sounds a bit weird. And I, I can go out there, but I was like, oh, that sounds a bit crap. That sounds like someone's just flaking out here and giving themselves permission to flake out. So uh, apologies, Amy, if you're listening. So and then later the day, I watched a TED talk. And I'm like, shit, she's right. <laughs> like yeah. they really and and um, you know, blokes. We like a bit of predictability. We like a little bit of structure. We like fixing things. We like to have a bit of logic behind them. You know, this and the other. So 
Next thing you know, you're presenting graphs with you know, like three different chemicals growing like this. And then you're saying, right, well, we've got this, this, and this. And I'm going to get you to explain it because you're going to do much better when you do it for a living. Um, but all of a sudden I was like, shit, there's a roadmap. Shit, there's expectations here. And there's that. The other I was like... What do you mean expectations? Well, not sort of... Um, there's a framework for understanding. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can expect this sort of thing it's to be It's predictable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we're taking something that's previously, and that's why I introduced it as mm. unlock the mysteries of womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was from a male perspective. Mm. Um, well, they are kind of the ones who, who locked it up to begin with. So, you know, it's okay. like, Fair <laughs> not, not you, but just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just that, like, I think that um, it's really interesting oh, about no, the language, what, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, that it's been something that's been so um, enshrouded in shame, really. And it's, it's been a way of really, I just, I think, keeping women down and keeping mm. them quiet because, you know, the very process that ensures the survival of the species, you're made to feel, makes you dirty and unclean. I mean, you know, you look in the Bible and it's just rife with absolute yes. trash, you know, on, on, you know, why why it's not sort of very nice to have a period. Um I guess personally, I've never, I've never thought it's dirty. I just thought it, it's just mm. something that is. Mm. Yeah, so I, I mean, most people would say about it. Yeah, there's no point getting like. To me, getting grossed out about it is almost quite puerile and immature because it. Yeah. It just happens. That's right, and I mean, you know, I mean, it's and it's blood, right? I mean, it, it, our instinct yeah. is not to sort of see blood and think it's lovely, and we'll just no. get on in there and have a good you know play yeah. <laughs> i mean unless it is and that's that's totally fine as well but i guess you know just historically it's been something that's been taboo yeah and and while it's definitely not as much like that now here you know with you and i for instance i mean we're in Fremantle, Bryn. let's just be honest you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. we're in probably the period acceptance you know precinct of, <laughs> of australia so it's that really in the tagline yeah we should yeah, change so, the number plates. So, yeah, instead this, of state of send excitement. This to Brad Petit. That's right. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a whole history of you know a long, 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 long time of the way that we've spoken about women's bodies and periods in particular, um, and and you know part of that is physical, and it's been about you know having to hide something, and just practically and logistically, that that is a whole you know, job in itself. Um, But then the emotional side of it is that we've really, um, you know, reduced women's emotions to something that can be sort of um, uh, blamed on your period. And, you know, so people often feel like they are, you know, crazy in inverted commas before they get their period when they're premenstrual. They feel a bit inadequate and weak when they have their period. And, you know, that's half your life. Actually, yeah. that's half of your reproductively viable life that, that women are feeling like they're not good enough, like they're inadequate and they're feeling frustrated. And the way that I like to look at it is that it's like a pie, all right? And you have a pie and it might have whatever it has in it. And I have a pie and it has whatever it has in it. And you might just eat yours the same amount every day. You might not. 
I mean, because the other thing is like, I'm very loath to perpetuate ideas, you know, that men are all this and women are all that because yeah. they're not. But, you know, on the face of it, if you look at our, our drivers hormonally, you know, you're getting by on testosterone that is pretty well produced in a, in a linear fashion and, and yeah. you have little micro cycles in the day. So it's, this got me wondering. Yeah. Cause yeah, this got me wondering about your own body. So do dudes have cycles too? Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert on that and that's sort of something I would like to explore more, but you know, once you go through puberty, you're pretty well producing testosterone at a linear rate until mm. you get older and it starts to sort of decline slowly. And in the day, you have a microcycle. So, you know, in the morning, your testosterone is higher. So that is when um, I've heard that as a man, it feels better to do work that is more solo and more sort of singular focused. And it's like you just wake up and I want to do that this morning and I'm going to do that and everyone just get out of my way, I want to do that. And then as your testosterone starts to sort of peter off for a bit, as the day goes on, then you're more inclined to want to have, um, you know, collaborative activities and to sort of share and, you know, to listen a bit more and be less kind of driven and focused. And that's kind of the cycle of the day. So, and, you know, but for women, you know, we have, you know, estrogen, progesterone and a little bit of testosterone. And that's all kind of doing a dance throughout Mm. the month that gives us these four phases instead of just being the same all the time. And because, you know, we live in a world that has been sort of governed by men for a long time and by virtue True. of that is geared toward the way, towards the way that men operate, um, we're all expected to act like men and to be the same every day. Yeah. And for some women... And even men are not like and that. And even men are not like that. And that's, yeah. I think, the real beauty in acknowledging um, how we actually are mm. and the connection to ourselves and our bodies and how we are in the world and and in our lives because Mm. when we give women the license to say do you know what i'm day two i'm feeling really slow and really tender i'm gonna do half a day of work today and i'm going to you know do some reflecting over the month that i've just had and do some planning for the month ahead and i'm gonna have a fucking nap for half an hour in the sun that's how i'm gonna that's the bit of pie that i'm gonna spend today that's the bit of pie i'm gonna use then it gives everybody the license, men included, to actually pay attention to how they feel, which we all know men, yeah. you know, can 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 um, can do more of, you know, socially and culturally. We don't Absolutely. give men enough permission to just be where they are, and I think it's really exciting because you know, to not be congruous with with how you're feeling is is a lot of effort. It's yes. a lot of energy. makes you tired. It's a lot of wasted energy. And, you know, if you just... And, and getting back to what I was saying before about historically women being shamed for having periods, emotionally we're also shamed for being emotional um, and, you know, labelled as being hysterical and unpredictable and it's this crazy hormonal roller coaster. But th- this is the beauty of what you've done. This is the beauty of it is that it's not unpredictable no it's it's wholly predictable that's right and if you um and i take it since putting this out that you've had men and women alike go oh yeah mm. yeah 
Yeah. And you still haven't explained it yet, which I'm going to need you to do for my listeners in a second. So in a nutshell, if you think about each month um, as having four seasons. Yes. Okay. So we know what seasons are. We know what it means to, you know, be keeping warm in winter and, you know, maybe you don't go out as much and you get to bed earlier and you just sort of put on a couple of extra kilos and then in spring you clean your house and you start your exercise plan again and you, you know, get amongst it again. You've got more energy and you need less sleep. And then in summer it's party time and you stay out late and you have parties and make food for all of your friends and, you know, enjoy all the fruits of, of what you've been growing and then in autumn you're getting ready to do it again so you're sort of paring it back and storing your nuts and your berries <laughs> and, your and pruning your trees yeah. and gathering up all the leaves and just taking taking stock. Um, so, yeah, we understand what it means to, to acknowledge seasons and how that affects our lives and this is just um, a more micro version of that. Mm. And so in the month you begin with having your period and that is like our winter. Mm. And so that is when, you know, your hormones have flatlined, your energy is pretty low. Um, and, you know, this is really the time to, to nurture yourself yeah. and to fill your cup. And if you kind of push through that with coffee and Panadol and just pressure, then you really miss an opportunity to properly tap in to um, the best time to really take care of yourself and also the best time to sort of, I mean, you know, you look at sort of tribal cultures and they really knew this was a precious time and they made time and space for it. And, you know, they knew that the kind of wisdom that you could get at this time, you didn't get all month long because you're yeah. too busy. You're too busy sort of, Fruits you know, come in and you know, doing things and being everything to everybody and being, you know, social and productive and energetic. And so you're operating at a different sort of emotional level. When your body is really like slowing you down, yeah. that's when your mind can slow down and just sort of think, well, yeah, how do I feel about that month that I just had? And does that thing that really pissed me off when I was premenstrual still stick? Is it still something that... Yeah. Is 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 like you know because there's something there. There's something but... there, and then so you know if if things piss you off when you're premenstrual and they still piss you off when you've got your period, then they're a thing. That's how you know it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I like to sort of think that if something's really important, you know, in a positive or a negative way, if it's really you know a big kind of thing, you've got to run it through that whole cycle to work out how you really feel about it. You know, if yeah. you want to make a really big decision, you want to kind of just plot it through that month and then see right. how it tastes and all of those different phases. So, you know, it's winter, it's a reflective time. It's like, this is your time to dream, to really look after yourself and to dream deeply and to just pay attention to whatever comes up and use that as a bit of a compass for how your month ahead is going to look, Yeah, what you want to grow and give life to next. And then once you stop bleeding... Your estrogen starts to rise and it's like really quite a quite a sort of quick transition and it's like spring and you wake up and you've got more energy and you the want to get things done and it's on and it can be like quite an impatient time. You, you sort of, um, like I was speaking to um, a friend recently and she was 
telling me how how this sort of information had really helped in their family dynamic because yes she's repartnered they've got two little children and she's got a 13 year old daughter and so the stepdad you know they they've developed this relationship and obviously it's you know it's different to your biological parent it kind of takes a bit more a bit more work and anyway she said He's fine when when she's got her period and she's a bit mopey. He's fine when she's crabby and she's premenstrual. But when she's in that spring dynamic time to do phase and she can't be bothered, you know, with hugs and kisses and watching telly on the couch, that's when he sort of feels really kind of a little bit affronted and sensitive and, you know, what about me and you don't have any time anymore. (laughs) But now he knows It's not personal and it's not forever and she's just focused and she wants to get all of her things done and that's where she's at. So, yeah, this is, you know, that pre-ovulatory time and you imagine a bird who's getting ready to lay an egg. They don't want to sit around chewing the fat with the other birds. They want to get their nest perfect. Done. Get it done. So that's the time to really plan, you know, to start big projects and start exercising and you know that's when you've got the most physical energy so you know if you could plan when you had to move house or whatever that would be like that's the week all right you know that is the week yeah and then once your estrogen peaks then you ovulate and um and then once you've ovulated your, your progesterone levels start to rise and that's sort of you know the com- combination of um another top-up shot of estrogen and your rising progesterone is is that beautiful summer expressive time when um, you know you're still kind of riding high on that energy that you had yeah. before you ovulated, but now it's sort of like you've just taken the top off it, and just. you're just a bit more gentle with it. Yes, and you're more um, wanting to sort of share that with other people, and you're less with that driven focus sort of must do this thing right now. And what are you doing, Bryn? And how can I help you? And, you know, let's, let's talk about how we can collaborate and cooperate. And it's a, it's a more yeah. kind of, um, you're not talking about the afternoon of a male, aren't you? Pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That yeah. Talked about. Late afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Summer. So that's time to really give, you know, and, and I will often just sort of, you know, think, okay, who haven't I called lately? And, who needs me and who should mm. I get to come over for dinner? And so you start to come outside of yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah. And and just to really consciously want to connect with other people and to really share that with other people and to look after my my people, you know, yep. and make sure that everyone's kind of getting enough of me because that's when I've got the bounty, you know. Yes. Um, and then, oh, you know, once your body realises that you haven't fertilised your egg and you're not going to need that nest anymore. It starts to all kind of, you know, come down and you, your hormones start to sort of They're in autumn. fade out and you're in autumn and, you know, that's that's when you're really getting ready to do it all over again. And traditionally, you know, when you're premenstrual, we're just cultured to expect that we should feel like shit then yeah, and that that is just a shit time and that you just have to push through that and, you know soon it will be over and I just feel so affronted by that because it's like fuck that that is a week of my life yeah and there must be some way that I can channel this and use it and so how do you well that's when I write music that's when I you know if I'm if I'm getting reflective and well for me it's like you you have less of a you have 
you have a less of a tolerance to sort of um, deal with any crap. And so there's something really cathartic about that because you care less about sort of worrying about what you think and worrying about what you think and making them happy and making them happy and being everything to everybody. And there's this really liberating sense of, oh, fuck it. It actually yeah. doesn't matter. And it's really nice to pair all of that stuff back, you know, in that cyclical way and just go, all right, where's the grit of who I am and yeah. what I want to do right now in a really kind of... Um, just get back to the core essence. That's right. Get back to the core essence and really kind of work out what that is and and just explore it. And, you know... So, so what's the difference between that and then going back and starting the cycle and... Well, I think for me, you, it's like... You were saying that like, there was like, the winter period is mm. like very... So that's more slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is slowing down and stripping Well, you know... I understand. So when you're premenstrual, I think it's an introspective time, but it's active. Whereas when right. you've got your period, it is introspective, but it's, um, it's a bit more passive and you're a bit more sort of oh, just letting go and... You're not as driven, whereas when you're premenstrual, it's like that last bit of burst before winter's coming. It's like you know you want to you want to get everything in order and you want to have a proper sort of um, like one way I think of it is that when I have my period, it's like I'm almost taking a bit of a holiday from my my deep dark brain, and right. I'm just kind of letting whatever has to come up come up. I'm not really kind of digging too hard. But when I've got my, when I'm premenstrual and it's all kind of a bit fizzy and kind of. Right. It's like. got a little bit of summer left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're still milking it. That, and you know what it's like at the end of summer when you get those last few hot days and you just really want to enjoy them. Yeah. That's how I think of it. So it's like instead of taking a holiday, you're going in deep and you're like, what else is there that we can mine out of this month? Yeah. How can we With really. The last bit of energy. What's well, the last bit of fruit left, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. the last bit of summer that Fuck we can. Off anything that's not and important. everything else get out of my way. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to make dinner and I don't have time for you and I don't care where your lost shoe is and I'm just going <laughs> to, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a really um, empowering thing to really get to know that part of yourself yeah. because. Because then you can really. Work with yourself. Yeah, that's I right. Mean, and you're not fighting it. Yeah. You're going with where you are. And yeah. and I think that's where the, the shittiness comes in. Is You that, get to almost like a real, maybe I'm trying to overblow this, but um, you can get to a real optimum level of performance. Yeah, you can. That's overall, right. just by different focus and different. Yep, yeah. yep. And you can't always, I mean, you know, and even like, you know, my cycle isn't completely predictable. So I yeah. can't, you know, if it where was. Are we, where are we? I've got to ask. Yes, so I I am day twelve, so I'm I'm in that sort of getting things done and all right, you know, yeah, and and all and this is the first sort of normal cycle that I've had since I had a miscarriage. So um, after having this thirty five day bleed, I was just like, holy cow, am I ever gonna stop feeling tired and you know, sort of. um, So I'm really. So it's good with the whole preparing to go to. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, tessellating the car and packing things and making biscuits and writing lists and I'm, I'm, you know, getting shit done. Yeah. And and it's good because, um, you know, I I know that, you know, if I was going to to Coral Bay with my family and friends and I was going to be really premenstrual, I might then think, well, okay, how can I factor in a bit of alone time? Yeah. You know, or maybe they all go out surfing and I just go, do you know what? I'm going to stay yeah. at the shack and have my guitar. So there'd be a just... lot less in the car. 
Oh, well, I mean, that's unavoidable, isn't it? I might have headphones, you know? Right, yeah. I okay. might have headphones and, you know... This is this is like gold inside yeah, the bloke. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just padding it all out because, yeah. you know, and you can't always, you know, you know, sort of disaster manage everything. Oh. But you can just go, mm, okay. I mean, for instance, Something's like... Something's better than nothing. Yeah, that's right. And it's... And it's no, because then it doesn't come from nowhere and it and you don't feel like the rug's being pulled from you because what tends to happen is you know you go along and you have these days and these weeks where you think god I'm just really nailing it and everything is I've just got the world on a string and I can just you know it's everything's just a little bit the, the wheels have been greased you know and then something happens and you might stub your toe and then something else happens and then you just think Oh God! Why do I feel like shit again? Because you don't understand that you know this thing is happening inside yeah. of your body, and you're getting ready to let go all over again. And particularly when you're premenstrual, if you expect of yourself to keep doing like you were and keep giving like you were before you ovulated and after you ov- after you ovulated, that's when you feel pissed off. But if you know, yeah, okay. I'm coming to my my prickly time. I'm going to need some more time alone. And actually, Bryn, would you mind making dinner tonight? And yeah. do you know what? I'm going to go for a walk by myself. I'm going to go for a walk by myself. And I'll eat dinner later. I don't even want to eat dinner with you guys tonight. Because if you can just sort of do those things, you know, then you feel less shitty. Yeah. You know, and then you get to really enjoy your relationships and the people that you're with. And I think, like, you know, it's hard for guys because we're still don't have a lot of language around men being able to, you know, so you look at movies and, you know, it's like what I was saying before with the stereotype, you're either, you know, useless and you're on your period or you're a crazy psycho and you're premenstrual. That's our narrative. Yeah. And that's, and so the only way that men know how to talk about it, um, you know, openly and in public and the way that we've sort of made it okay is that it's a joke, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, deep down, Men are actually, they know it's not a joke and they live with women and they love women and they understand that there's a rhythm and a cycle and, you know, they want to be able to work with it as well because it's so much more useful to be able to kind of, you know, go, what do you feel like? Do you feel like, you know, going out for dinner with nine people tomorrow or do you feel like, you know, having a long, slow walk around the lake or something and... It just means that you get to, you know, take off that layer of of what's happening and why don't I know what's going on so that then if there is an issue, you can look at it through that lens but you can say, listen, I know I am premenstrual but actually that thing, you know, did bother me but I'm going to come back to it in a yeah. couple of days. Can we talk about it then or, you know. So... Have you got any sort of high-level do's and don'ts across those four weeks from a from, from mm. a piece of advice to guys? Oh, for guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so I'm listening to this now. Mm. And I'm like, That's really great. Yeah. So, what are the things I, I I should and shouldn't be considering? You know, based on the information that you have. So I think for a lot of people, um, you know, they're still maybe not. They're becoming more comfortable about talking about this sort of thing. Yeah. And obviously for it to sort of work in a relationship, then you, yeah, you, you've got to be open about it. You know, you've got to, you've got to feel like you can do that safely and, um, 
you know, that's obviously comes down to the relationship and how well you trust each other because, you know, in the past it has been sort of weaponized, if you like. It's like yeah. you don't want to mention that you're premenstrual or you have your period because then it's used against you. So, oh, you know, there's still, I think, a hangover of that, you know, just yeah. sort of generally. So, you know, I think whenever you can just sort of, you know, say to somebody like, you know, where are you and what do you need really in life, whether mm. you're talking about periods or not, is really quite a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. Um, but like, for instance, you know, when I'm in my, you know, giving post-ovulatory sharing expressive phase, I will say to Rich, I, I will, I will remind him like, you're in the purple patch right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. enjoy it, you know, soak it up. Soak and, it up, buddy. And if you need, you know, to have some people over for dinner, from work, this is the week to do it. If you want to go visit your grannies, let's do it. If we yeah. need to bake biscuits for how's your father, let's get on it. Like, I'm, uh, you know, it's happening, you yeah. know. Um, and, then, and then because I'm so sort of, um, I guess, open about it, then when it comes, and yeah, I guess then, you know, when premenstrual, it's like, I, I, I don't want to be left alone for the week, but I need more space. Yes. I need more space, you know, um, everywhere, just with everything. It's like, I don't want to explain myself as much. Yeah. Do you know, like if someone's like, what are you doing for dinner? It's like, I'm cooking it. Eating. <laughs> just fucking eat it. Like, yeah. don't. I don't want to give you a synopsis about how I'm frying the onion and what's, you know, it's like just, just, you know, just, just a little bit of space. Um, and a bit of, I guess, sensitivity. So if you are a bit prickly, it's like, just know it's not all about you and shake it off and be soft. And if it's still lingering, you know, a few days time, then then go deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like in relationships, you don't need to analyze every single, single little bump in the road or you'd turn yourself into a pretzel and you wouldn't actually get on with enjoying your life. So just, you know, I think acknowledging that, you know, when someone's premenstrual, you're, you, you are a little bit more micro-focused. So anything that is a little bit off will look like it's bigger than it is. Yeah. So, you know writing things down is really important so that when you get your period, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, all right. Does that still feel that big? Or is it maybe this big or or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you've had your generous sharing time in the in the post-ovulatory phase. Then you have a premenstrual bit of space come back. Then with having your period, it's like, I just think if you can, that's when you want to lean into people looking after you. Yes. You know, and I will, you know, it's like run some on a bath or just preempt, preempt um, what they need, you know, make a cup of tea and just all of those things are so, so nice to just, just really give someone the experience of being treated with tenderness, you know, because whatever you do then, whatever you, however you fill that cup in that period week, it's like that will come back to you you know yes. you're just kind of just filling that up and then it it will it will come back so yeah and then you know when you're you know getting ready to ovulate again and you've kind of you're on it you're on it and you're in the in that phase then I think you know just 
yeah, I mean, that, that can be tough. It's like my, my little son, he knows, yeah. it, you know, that I want to organize and like clean out cupboards and he kind of backs away from me. He's like, oh no, you know, I don't, yeah. oh God. Because you can just sort of, you know, you can feel like Superwoman and it can be really frustrating when you're like, bloody hell, guys, keep up, you know. Yeah. Like, I have I'm done, do, 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 and like, you just, you're just kind of going a little bit like 25% faster and you just, you know, it's that is not the time to have a difficult conversation because you'll be sitting there with your bullet points and you'll just be like, you know, all right, great. We done? Good. I'm and, wasting time. And you're just sort of still on emotion number two. And it's like, you know, yeah. yeah. So I think knowing when, when to have difficult conversations is, is pretty useful. And just, you know. And I mean, you know, it's not like women are reduced to having four feelings. No. This is just a lens. And, you know, particularly um, at the points of transition, I think that's when it's interesting to note. Oh, yeah. You know, because... Uh, to now. Yeah. yeah and it's like oh because because you are always as a woman you know in one of these phases or preparing for the next one or you know you've got a bit of a foot in both camps or you're riding one or so you know you really you almost need to sort of do a bit of a study on yourself uh, is that how you came to this realization of all of this. Well, no, I read I read some books, and one of them in particular was um, "The Optimized Woman" by Miranda Gray. Uh, there's another one called "Wild Power," and you know, it, and and there's so many different ways you can sort of um, understand the phases, and you know, you can talk about seasons or goddesses or whatever but ultimately and i like in the ted talk the how many fucks you've got to give yeah 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 zero fucks in phase one yeah um that really resonated yeah yeah well it's you know it's that's, it's that's language isn't it that's the storytelling and one of the things i love about what you've done is you've obviously gone off done some research and then you've taken your creative storytelling performing singing background and then you've just poof, stuck it out there and now you know in the in the space of 16, 18 minutes of watching the TED Talk, I was like, shit, I really know something there. Yeah, yeah, great, awesome. And you can have some fun. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I shared it with some people and went, you know, in some cases it was like, is this really for you? And then other friends is like, dude, you want to you want to watch this? Yeah. Take notes. Yeah. And, um, but I really felt like I'd engaged. It was fun. It, it was enjoyable. Yet I learned something. Yeah. That was super practical. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it's like, I think we're just, we're getting to a point in humanity where we want to do things as well as we can, you know, and and we're making a royal mess of some things, but, you know, it's like we want to know how to recycle and compost and, you know, have solar panels and and use our cycles and pay attention to what we can use, you know, instead of wasting things. Yeah. So, you know, and it makes sense that men should be a part of that. And they have to be a part of that because we can't change this narrative by ourselves, you know. And, you know, occasionally I'll sort of think, oh, well, you know, everyone's been to my show and they've seen the talk and they've read a book and it's all done now. I don't need to keep doing this anymore. No. And then I'll be in a situation, you know, where I get reminded, you know, that actually there's there's still a lot a lot of conversations to be had and I think, oh, that's right, you know. Yeah. Well, I have this, I have this with the podcast whereby, you know, I put great content out with great you know, people and this and you think, oh, right, yeah. 
but no, you know, taking the knowledge and then applying it is what actually happens, which is why I was asking you questions such as, so what, what's good for a guy to do and not to do it? Mm -hmm. So then you've actually got something actionable and workable. Mm. And the other reason why I was so very keen to have this conversation as well is because I have an 11 year old daughter. Mm. Now this is on the near term horizon for me. Mm. And you know, it's given what I told you about my education mm. in this area, um, it's pretty bloody lacking. Mm. And so now I've got this this event. It's not if, it's when. Mm. Um, and I always feel a little bit more equipped for it. Good, yeah. Well, it, you know, all the research shows that if you speak with her about this, you know, you are laying the foundations for a relationship between you and her where you can talk about anything and, you know... Well, me as a father. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I feel so strongly that if we can equip girls with more of an understanding of their bodies and um, a way to basically um, pay attention to that intuition which we've been sort of systemically told to ignore. Yes, males um, and females alike. That's right. Um, that as you grow up, you are going to have so much more of a powerful connection with, with how you feel and, you know, your well-being and your self-esteem and your relationship choices and agency that your 11-year-old daughter will have over her body yes. and autonomy. And if she's more easily able to give words to how she feels when she feels it and to understand that it is normal to be a cyclical person and that she's not a straight line yes then that will translate into you know all of her relationships you know that she will have have um more more confidence in in understanding how she feels i mean that's that is huge huge power and you know i i really think it's exciting to to be doing all this work now and to to one day come back to, you know, girls in 10 years' time and ask them, like, what did you do with that power and how did you channel it and how did you sort of use it? Mm. Mm. Yes. How, how did this go from being a book that you read to... The book that I'm writing. The book that you're writing and, and, you know, it's almost like a bit of a, as I sit and watch it, there's a good mission here yeah. behind you. It's um, like you're finding a purpose here. Yeah, well, I, I, I was, uh, I started out as a human biology teacher and then I worked in sexual health and so I've always liked you know, teaching and, um, I mean, I just remember just discovering it for myself and thinking this is bullshit that we don't all know this, that it's not all common sense and that we're still teaching menstrual cycle education in schools in a pretty clinical sort of nuts and bolts fashion where it's, you know, here's how you use a tampon, good luck and have a nice life and <laughs> not actually giving them anything around the emotional landscape you know and it's like boys and girls get separated and boys get wet dreams and girls get periods i mean that's a shit deal yes. you know and it's also just really it's just reductive you know it's like we've got to give young people 
you know, the skills to really just have that emotional intelligence. And I think this is just a part of that. And yeah, I think once I started doing it, I realized that um, it was, it just made so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself on this journey? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think that um, it's just good to do what you enjoy. Yeah. You know, and what you're interested in. Yeah. And that I love periods. <laughs> Why not? What do you think? This is a question I've been delving into with some of my guests. Um, not specifically the My one. iron infusion is like moments away. Oh, right. Yeah. You can tell me that beforehand. Do you, was it was an hour? Yeah. We're well, still recording this, but going. Okay. Um, <laughs> Life happens. Life happens. Yeah. So you need to go now. Yeah, let's let's have our last special question. Last special question. Yeah. Okay then. <laughs> um. Well, I'll leave it to you. What do you want to say? Um. Well, I just I think it's a really exciting time. I really, really do, and I think that you know that we are sitting here having this conversation is testament to that. And um, you know, if you're listening to this, then I think um. It's just, it's a really great thing to, to use. It's just, just, it's just a resource, right? I mean, we, you know, we've got solar power and wind power and this is mm. menstrual power. And, and what do you um, think the great state of Western Australia would be like if we started harnessing menstrual exactly, power? Exactly, exactly. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, let's talk again in 10 years' time on your 666th episode and look at, you know, the impact and I'll tell you what's happened. Indeed. Yeah. Lucy, it's been an absolute pleasure Thanks, talking to spring. you today. It's been great. If anybody wants to find you, catch you, how do they do that? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Lucy's Peaches, and Facebook, Lucy Peach, and then Lucy Peach Music is my website, or my greatest period ever. There you go. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. There you go.